Welcome everybody to today's B-Side of Dead Planet Society. As just a reminder, we're going to be carrying over the conversation that we had in the excellent A-Side. The guest for this week is a familiar voice. Not only has he been on DPS, but he makes the rounds on left media like nobody else. I don't know how he does it. Uh, he must be exhausted. Ben Burgess, how you doing? You exhausted? Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm actually... Right this second, I'm kind of okay because, like, you know, it's 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 early evening. Uh, I'm I'm drinking a beer, you know, having an interesting conversation. But like, as soon as I get off, I'm gonna be exhausted again. Yeah, yeah, the adrenaline wore off. Yeah, but you just picked up a, a Jacobin column, so congrats on that. Yeah, thank uh, you. Tell us a little bit about that. You've written a, a few pieces. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've written a few pieces, and I've been I actually have something that uh, well when. We're, Right now, like literally today, as we recorded this, uh, just went up that was uh, co-written with our friend Michael Brooks, which is basically what Bernie should say if he keeps being asked these ridiculous Venezuela questions. But, you know, I've also written a lot about like basically, I mean, this this seems a little funny because it's, you know, for a socialist magazine, but I, I kind of feel like the beat that they've got me on is actually talking about socialism. Like, in other words, like... Um, I've spent a lot of time in the stuff I've written for them so far being like, hey, you know, this stuff about like automation that Yang talks about this, uh, you know, the the Green New Deal, this or that, the other thing, you know, here's why all these things show that like we actually do need a fundamentally reorganized economy. And like what I've been trying to to do with that is to kind of hone the way of, of like kind of trying to pitch that to people who aren't already on board, right? In other words, to try to say like, you know, like, look, and I understand that like some people who aren't convinced socialists read Jacobin, but obviously it's not the majority of the readership. But of course, I, I hope that it kind of arms people who do read it, who are already convinced socialists with like stuff to say, you know, when they're talking to everybody else. And so like, I, I keep kind of trying to like, you know, pitch socialism in a way that like makes sense to people who are like somewhat open to left ideas, but like haven't, um, you know, like aren't, uh, haven't just like metabolized all this stuff yet, you know? So like, uh, like talk about, Hey, here's like concretely, here are some social problems that we get because we have these ridiculous hierarchical workplaces and, you know, and, and we have, uh, and we have companies that have motivations to, you know, ravage the natural environment and stuff like that. And here concretely is is how we could um, – what we could, could do about it, right? You know, so like if, if – uh, Give them better you know, answers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so like, you know, to try to talk about socialism in a way – actually, so 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 I'm, I mean I, I, I know we don't want to spend that much time talking about this. But like but like I, I think this is, this is maybe worth – a distinction that's worth making. Like something that used to drive me crazy about uh, DSA meetings in New Jersey when I lived there was that – Sometimes when people would talk about socialism, it almost sounded like this weird secular version of like Christians talking about the kingdom of God, yeah, you know, like that it is it's so abstract, it is so far removed from anything that exists, and it was so vague, right, you know, that like – you know, you might as well just say like the kingdom of God or whatever, you know, like every time somebody would use the phrase all aspects of society, that was kind of my cue that like, oh, they're, it's going to be this like 
super vague, super messianic, you know, kind of thing that doesn't really, that if I wasn't already socially, it wouldn't tell me anything, right? It would, ju- it would just tell me that like, it's, it's, it's just a way of saying like utopia or, you know, this is the society where we get everything right or something like that. Whereas I think the way you've got to talk about it is in terms that make it sound like something that might really happen and that like wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be a, some utopia that's free from problems because if you pretend that it's going to be, people are rightly going to uh, think that it's nonsense, right? You know, uh, but that would be like you could imagine it would be better, right? You know, that like if a uh, – if like, you know, like there would be – you know, like there'd be upsides and downsides if you, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if where your work was reorganized as a co-op, you know, you probably have to go to more meetings than you'd like, you know, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but overall, um, and, you know, and, and if we still had to have some market mechanisms or whatever, and, you know, a lot of that's debatable. I've been reading the uh, People's Republic of Walmart. There's some interesting points there, but like, um then like some of the bad features of capitalism would persist or whatever. But like, you know, in terms of all the things that we're concerned about, uh, rampant economic inequality, uh, you know, cataclysmic environmental destruction, all, you know, automation, et cetera, et cetera, all of these things. It's something that like, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not contrasting like grubby material reality to the kingdom of God. We're talking about, Hey, here's something that we could actually get done given the political will and it would be way better than what we've got right now. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if it, it's just like anything else, right? Like, you know, there's this, there's this, um, this fervent like belief, uh, this zealotry of the neophyte, right. Right. That, uh, that comes along and we all, I mean, I, I, myself, I'm sure you went through a phase like that. We all go through this phase. Um, hopefully what our moment right now is doing, it's, it's giving people a fast track through that idiocy and, and doing something uh, a little smarter and well thought, thought out. Uh, you know, they don't have to languish in the, the zealotry phase, maybe as long as we had to back in the dark ages. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So let's talk more about, um, oh, people should check out your articles, by the way, they're going to be coming out, uh, weekly basis. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes. So, so you're a regular columnist, columnist, uh, for Jackman. So people look out for those things. Yeah. Yep. So there's been a little bit before this one with Brooks, there's been a little bit of a lag because, uh, 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 because Bhaskar has, uh, has been traveling. Like I think he was at the labor party conference in the UK. Yep. Labor party conference, world transformed, uh, conference there as well. Just you know, just gonna just gonna call him out here. I know he's a listener, you know. So apparently, uh, you know, his his uh, answering his email is not at the top of his priority oh, list. Oh, Bascar, uh, you gotta you gotta you gotta stay on top. I don't I don't care about your damn emails. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so we're gonna we're gonna be hearing yeah. from you at least once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the that's the plan. You know, that's that's uh, that's what he asked if I wanted to do. Um, you know, try to do. You said fifty a year. So. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm you know I'm excited about it. I, th- I think some of it's you know some of it's been good, you know it's it's an exciting thing. I think I think Jacobin has has contributed tremendously to the formation of the kind of socialist left that has the potential to actually be useful in the world, and uh, and I'm happy to be part of that. No doubt. Everybody, look out for that. We're going to continue the discussion that we just had a moment ago uh, for the A side. Uh, we're going to tell the progressives what they're doing. They're going to, we're going to tell them they're doing it wrong. Don't do it like that. Do it like this. You're doing it wrong is the, uh, is the TLDR and progressives need democratic socialists 
as much as we need progressives in order to be successful. And we want to break down uh, some of the things that have happened between the Warren and Sanders division over the past two weeks or so. And just to recap really quickly, you know, what I sort of uh, let off with, and I think you're in wholehearted agreement here, is that there's something of a sea change in the past couple of weeks with respect to the composition of Warren's support. And I think one thing that I didn't get to, but I did talk about in a previous week's episode, I think, you know, I think it's it's undoubted that, uh, I believe I talked about this with Paul Prescott a couple of weeks back, it's undoubted that I don't think the mainstream political class ever imagined that Joe Biden would have to carry that torch by himself. I, I think that they thought that he would have at the least Kamala Harris polling up there alongside him, perhaps Cory Booker, certainly Beto O'Rourke looked look like a firebrand, you know, at one point in time before he got owned by, um, um, oh, for God's sakes, who's the late night host? He did a hell of a Beto impression. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, his, va- his, his, uh, vapidity was so, uh, captured by Jimmy Fallon that I don't think anyone could ever take Beto or work seriously after that anymore. Yeah. His well, hand I mean, gestures I mean, his, and his, I mean, his hollow eyes. I mean, Beto was just, is just Poochie from the, uh, from Itchy and Scratchy. I mean, that's, that's all, that's all he's ever been. And, you know, he's like, yeah. he's the kind of character that like the network executives would think is going to be popular, but who everybody's going to hate. Cause you know, uh, and as and well, in fact, he was like when he was, you know, when he was in Texas and so people held him to a low bar. They didn't really have to, you know, he was at a little bit of a distance. Then like, you know, then people liked him, you know, that like you're running against Ted Cruz. It's, it's hard not to be likable when you're running against Ted Cruz. But uh, but then like once everybody like was like he he tried to like. You know, the first week of him like skateboarding and jumping on tree stumps, you know, to uh, uh, to try <laughs> parkour, to <run>. parkour, <laughs> you know, like, run for president. He's been on like every douchey trend uh, for the past like 20, 20 years. Yeah. You know, from like music to like, you know, calisthenics to like dress. And it's just so um, obvious that like it's I mean, it's sad. Like it's it's just so obvious in his case that like he's running for president because he liked having like crowds of people around him and like that, like, you know, that made him feel better about himself as a person. And he felt lost when he wasn't running for anything anymore. Like, it's just like, this is just like, this is just therapy through, you know, through electoral politics. And, uh, and it's not a good look. Let's raise money to get better with therapists. He'll drop the fuck out. <laughs> but anyways, I was saying before I digressed, you know, I don't think the mainstream political class ever expected that Joe Biden would have to carry this thing by himself because I think in there, you know, if they were real serious about this, the strategists among them, the insiders would have known that, yeah, he's not all, he's not all there mentally. He's not as sharp maybe as he used to be. Uh, he, he forgets things. He, he starts talking about things, you know, from the 1928 world's fair, you know, in front of his grandkids. School, not daycare, school. Leave <laughs> it. You know, he, the corn pop thing, right? Like somebody came in, a couple people came in clutch to verify the story, but you know, Nobody needs to hear about stories about him uh, when he managed the pool in 1942 or whenever it was. It's very out of touch. And anyway, you know, his, his eyes burst into, you know, like flames on stage or something. His Botox face melts down like the guy from Indiana Jones, like I mentioned last week. It's like anything could happen at this point. Yeah. And it, but nobody ever thought that he would have to carry that sort of centrist torch alone. Everybody thought that he would have some support, even up to and including perhaps one of those top, you know, front runners dropping out. And committing 
to to becoming his running mate. Right. To sort of, you know, quell the fears of him being too old, for example. I always like to pull out, you know, my boomer father, you know, it says, ah, you know, it'll be it'll be Biden, uh, Harris, and then Harris will take the torch on the second term. As though, you know, those types of uh, <laughs> as though those types of alliances like happen. Right. It's the same like fan fiction mentality that like Bernie and, uh, you know, Warren ha- could have this secret alliance behind closed doors. Like that's fan fiction. folks. That's not how this works. They have their own trajectories, their own staffs, their own, uh, you know, uh, niches that they sort of fill and reside in. Um, but that's not happening. Biden is not getting any support. He's in it alone. And there are a lot of people, I think, in the past couple of debates who have had this collective oh shit moment in the face of like Biden's, you know, fuckery. And they're 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 jumping ship and they're they're siding with Team Warren. Uh, do you think do you think there's some truth to this in terms of like how this has turned out the way that it is? Yeah, no, definitely. Like there's a uh, they've got and a lot of people have have been making their peace with with Warren who you know clearly I mean look if if Elizabeth Warren had um you know had run in um uh, you know in 2016 when when Bernie wanted her to because he thought that like she would be a more he thought that all he was going to do was do a, a protest candidacy that's all anybody you know thought that you know could happen there uh, you know, it, it took him, you know, a couple states in to realize that he too late that he could win um, that, you know, but he thought that Elizabeth Warren would be like a slightly better, you know, more like viable protest candidate against Hillary than him. And if she'd run and he hadn't, then uh, then that would have then like, you know, the battle lines would have been very clear between this kind of like better progressivism and uh, and like old fashioned like Clinton Obama uh, centrism and people like this, uh, you know, this woman, uh, you know, says that if you still support Bernie, you know, you're a sexist, like people like them would loathe Elizabeth Warren. Right. You know, they, oh, totally, they you totally. know, they think she was, you know, they think she was crazy and, you know, that you should do anything to like stop somebody irresponsible like her from getting the nomination. But of course, um, actually I'm reminded of a, uh, of, of a of a talk uh, that that I saw by uh, a uh, behavioral economist who who talked about how there are all these studies in which uh, if you give people from what if or like three options and and like one of them is like a slightly worse version of the one you want them to pick mm. right yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that, totally. that, that they'll be more likely to pick that one right you know that they have a uh, and, and so from their perspective, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is that, you know, that if you have that, you can like that once, um, you know, with, with the danger of Bernie Sanders from their perspective, they can learn to live with Warren that, you know, that, that Warren's instincts are certainly to the left of what they would like. Uh, but, um, but she's a more conventional kind of political animal. She's she's not going to rock the boat as much as as Sanders would. She's she's, you know, she's she's less, um, you know, she's more likely to do all of the things that Obama tried to do, you know, to uh, to reach across the aisle and all that stuff. And so so they can they can manage that, right? And when we say, by the way, this is an important point that we didn't cover on the A side. When we say that her instincts are well to the left of what they would like, that's true, right? Like. And and it's it's pointless to try to pretend otherwise. It's not like, you know, there are people on on Twitter who have completely lost the plot 
and who think that like Elizabeth Warren is like Hillary Clinton wearing a mask or something. And that's ridiculous, right? You know, her, her, her political instincts are much more, you know, new deal, great society, liberalism, uh, as compared to, um, as compared to like Clinton, Obama centrism, uh, you know, they're, they're far to the, you know, they're well to the left of that kind of centrism. Yeah. But I think they need to be very clear about what they're saying. Yeah. I'll let you go ahead before. I. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're Bernie-ish or that doesn't mean that it's just like, that doesn't mean that the only differences between Bernie and Warren are matters of temperament or, you know, like what you think will fly or whatever, you know, Elizabeth Warren views the world through a fundamentally different lens than Bernie does. And here's just a quick indication of that. Uh, there was a, a column a couple of weeks ago. I uh, uh, did a uh, debunk about it on uh, the Michael Brooks show uh, called that uh, by uh, David Brooks uh, that was uh, talking about the book that Elizabeth Warren had written with her daughter in the 90s and like the sort of angle of the column was, hey, Elizabeth Warren used to be so heterodox and interesting. Isn't it a shame that like now she's become such a like boringly standard liberal? Um, which, of course, all, all that means is that she used to have some much more right wing positions. And this is, by the way, this is not when she was a Republican. And this is an important distinction to make because the last thing I want to do, you know, because when you say this stuff, people are like, oh, so you don't think that people can change and grow? And no, that has nothing to do with it, right? They have, of course, people can change. Oh, people change their their politics radically all the time. That has nothing to do with it. The point is that back even after her big road to Damascus moment with the bankruptcies, even after she became a liberal, she still held these really bad positions on stuff like charter schools. And the point isn't that like, you know, her soul is impure because like she used to sin or whatever. The point is that even after she kind of co had her current worldview in place, she was open to stuff like charter schools because she still saw the world in a much more of a, of a technocratic kind of progressive way than certainly anything that has to do with class struggle or, you know, anything remotely in the neighborhood of that, you know? So, so even though her, uh, her instincts are well to the left of Clintonism, uh, that doesn't mean that they're anything like as left as she's been dragged by having to be in a competitive primary by Bernie with Bernie Sanders. That, you know, and you can see this in the way that she does things like equivocate about single payer. That they have that she say, um, you know, that uh, that she she'll say that she supports Medicare for all, but then she'll say it's a framework and she has a plan for everything. But up until a couple weeks ago, she didn't have a plan for this. And when she did finally post something about it, uh, her wording sure makes it sound like mental health isn't included, uh, which in a society where as many people are on psychiatric medications as this one, like that's just not universal health care if it's not universal to that. And uh, it doesn't have any details in it because she's a little squishy on, uni on universal health care because that's a little bit further to the left than she would naturally like to go. And the reason that that matters is that even if even if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, even if Bernie Sanders is the president and all and, you know, Bernie Sanders does his thing uh, and, you know, uses the presidential bully pulpit to like try to conjure this movement into existence and all of that. That doesn't mean we're going to necessarily get Medicare for all. Right. That's a huge like, you know, that's a uh, like that's going to be a huge fight. And there's absolutely no guarantee of success. 
But what we do have is a total guarantee of failure if we don't have somebody leading the push who is a thousand percent committed to it the way that Bernie is, who's going to lead like an all hands on deck, all out push for it, starting with going around the country, primary and recalcitrant Democrats. And nobody thinks, I think, that Elizabeth Warren is a thousand percent committed to single payer health care and that she's going to do anything like that kind of push for it. Yeah. It's just at this point, I hate to say this because this is such like a, a tumblerism, but at this point, it's just gaslighting. It really is. It's just fucking. And, and this is why what, the more I think about it, you know, I get angry. I get mad. And when I'm mad, I don't think clearly. And maybe I should just take a couple of uh, deep cleansing yoga breaths or whatever the fuck, because like, you know, it, it's gaslighting, right? Like it's it, no, like, you know, they, they sort of put forward this premise, uh, you know, and that no one possibly, no one, not even themselves believes. And then when you react against against it, you know they act as if, as if you're just being this you know unreasonable, unhinged ideologue, you know. And it's just it, it's gaslighting, and it's it's ridiculous, and it's just kind of the status quo that 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 has been established by these sort of dominant mainstream progressive outlets. And you know, kudos to them; they have sort of captured the cultural and political mainstream right now, which is why you know the progressive this progressive block has the power that it has right now. It's really kind of got. You know, uh, uh, Joe Biden, who spent eight years as the fucking vice president of the United States, really uh, up against the ropes right now in a, in a serious way. Um, like what? You know, you, you, you do arguments. You do yeah. arguments for a living. You're the arguments guy. You know, what is it that makes uh, Eric Levitz in this in this uh, intelligence or blog piece, this New York Magazine piece, you know, come out right off the get go and say, well, sure, Bernie Sanders has had the power to completely essentially make the discourse in these in these debates in this primary in his own image right <laughs> but now that he's done that he's he's been effectively defanged because everybody has his ideas and because everybody essentially has his ideas he doesn't have any more power because there are two problems wrong with that number 1 is they're flattering him just to take him down cuz no, I don't think anybody really does believe that he's completely remade the party and the status quo in his own image. No, of he's sort not. of set that he's set the debate that people have to talk about health care. People have to talk about foreign policy in ways they didn't have to uh, before and imperialism in ways they didn't have to before. They have to talk about jobs and unions and all these other things that have been just completely relegated to, you know, to to the unimportant in the terms of, you know, the Democratic uh, mainstream debate over the past 35, 40 years. But that doesn't mean he's completely made it in his own image. So on the one hand, they're flattering him, oh, of course, uh, saying things they don't really believe in order to make their point. But then the point is that, well, he was so powerful to remake the Democratic <laughs> Party mainstream in his own image that now he's actually powerless. Well, if he was powerful before, why is he going to stop being powerful? Well, if he remade the Democratic Party mainstream in his own image, why can't he continue to go on and make the entire American political scene in his own image? Especially because we – It's like Magneto got like, uh, you know, <laughs> de depowered like in the middle of the last, you know, whatever fucking – uh, X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's uh, and, and look, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to be too, you know, cocky about this. Uh, obviously there's, there's no, you know, I think Bernie Sanders has a real chance of being nominated and I'm certainly going to do everything in my power to try to make that happen. But, you know, obviously, you know, um, the deck is stacked against him, but in, uh, but like, this idea that because he's like shifted the window of debate and everybody's debating in his terms, that means that he has no more power anymore. 
is asinine because by that, you know, by analogy, you know, you should have expected Trump to fizzle out in um, in the 2016 primaries because, you know, look at the way that like Trump set the agenda so much that even Jeb Bush was like trying to say really xenophobic things to like try to catch up. And um, and people didn't buy it, right? You know, like 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 Jeb can say uh, that we need a you know an agency to promote Judeo Christian values and not accept Muslim refugees or whatever, and you know and and look, you know all the um, all the mega heads were like, yeah, 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 that's nice. I can tell that your heart's not really in it, right? You know, you say you're a rage, rage and hateful Islamophobe, but yeah. Donald, Donald really seems to feel in his heart, right? You know, that's not like, you know, uh, you can tell the difference between the person who's who's pushing the agenda and the person who's like making concessions to try to stay in the debate. So um, so I, I think that like Bernie, there are lots of reasons to think that Bernie Sanders might lose the nomination, starting with the fact that, you know, the media and the Democratic Party establishment hates him. But uh, this is not one of them. Yeah, it's 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 really I get I I get emotional when I when I get angry you know when I when I when I try to take part in these debates because it just it feels like they're arguing for things they that they don't really believe and then when we call them out on it and we stick to our guns or we insist on our original premises that we actually agreed to not the ones that they they agreed to on our behalf uh, we're seen as these unhinged ideologues so I mean there's just I mean you're the arguments guy. You know, there's there's this idea that that, that well, I'm going to return to this because we didn't give this due diligence during the A side. We'll we'll finish up the B side just talking about this because it re- re- requires a fair amount of time and specific energy here. This idea that there are that these are distinctions without a difference when it comes to Warren and Sanders. And let's actually talk about the actual you know, the, the yeah. The, the so 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 here here are some distinctions that make a difference. One, uh, Elizabeth Warren tends to even in her best moments, right? Her, uh, her instinct is always to have whatever kind of social programs she suggests be means tested. It can't just be that we're going to eliminate public college tuition. It's that you're going to eliminate college tuition up until some threshold. And then you're going to like have it subsidized to a certain extent for these students and this and that and the other thing, uh, which totally undermines the idea that these things are social rights. Um, and that is a huge distinction, not least for the reason we were talking about on the A side, that at the end of the A side, that if you take seriously the idea that we need to really mobilize ordinary people in a way that we haven't seen in, in our lifetimes, you know, yours or mine, uh, to make this stuff happen, then means testing is exactly the kind of thing that sends the wrong message. It's uh uh, there's abundant, you know, that it, it sends the message that this is like, and again, it makes sense if you think that the game is basically fine. It's just that it's 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 been, you just think that there's cheating going on, right? You know that 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 we need to unrig it, right? Then it makes sense that you would you would think of social programs as ways to help out the people who need a hand up, um, and to sort of like readjust positions in the game, rather than you know, seeing them as just things that everybody should have because, you know, there's no good, you know, just, 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 just by virtue, 
like Jedediah Purdy had an article in 2016 I always loved called 11 Theses for the Bernie Sanders Generation, where, you know, one of them was, um, you know, Bernie's teaching us that, you know, we we should think less about what particular people deserve and more about what everybody should get just by virtue of being part of the social order. And like, that's what Bernie's talking about. Just having things just be social rights, just things that everybody should have that, you know, just a foundation for life. They're not some special attempt to intervene with the game and make it, you know, and like, and like, or, you know, they're not attempts to compensate for some sort of rigging that's narrowing the path into the middle class. They're just things, they're just, they're just things that should be, should be a starting point for everybody, just as a matter of course, no matter, you know, no matter what things we're like to start with. So that's one huge difference on domestic policy. It's one that's worth hammering and hammering and hammering because there's abundant evidence that universal programs are way more politically viable than means-tested programs. They, they're, more, they're more durable because other than like the super rich, everybody has a stake in them. Uh, they have, you know, and even the super rich, you know, can benefit from them, of course, but sure, they hurt them more than they uh, help them because they're being taxed to pay for them so much. But like everybody else, right, uh, is has a stake in them. That's why the Republicans could spend years uh, ritually voting to symbolically repeal Obamacare while Obama was still there to veto it, uh, whereas the Tories in the UK have to pretend to support the NHS, so huge difference there on domestic policy. Also, I don't I think that I don't think that um you know my friend and yours, Michael Brooks, would forgive me if I spent an entire A side and an entire B side talking about the differences between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and didn't bring up foreign policy because right. that's where that's no where question. the dif- differences are the least subtle. And you know, that's that's the drum that he's always quite correctly banging, that you know, that they have a and that's also where the president of the United States, you know, you can talk about, oh, what can we get through Congress? Is this reasonable? Is that reasonable? Could you get Republican co-sponsors for this, that, or the other thing? The answer, by the way, is no, no, and no, right? You know, <laughs> but like, you know, uh, the drone program, the president of the United States could literally end that like with with like the stroke of a pen, right? Like that's 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 entirely under unilateral presidential authority. Foreign policy is where the president has the most power. And if you're going to be citizens of, of, of an imperial hegemon, uh, then it's absurd to pretend like the only thing that was at stake in the election is your own domestic politics. Yeah, right. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, I've seen progress, progressives make some concessions about that to say, well, to be fair, yeah, there are some minor, there are some differences in the uh, international sort of realm. As they say, domestic policy is identical. There, these are distinctions without differences. And sure, Sanders is a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, radical when it comes to to international uh, playing field. But they, of course, then what they'll sort of follow up and say, well, you know. Uh, let's be honest, Warren's not likely to go off and start a war. She's not exactly a hawk, which is true. She's not a hawk. I mean, I, we do need to be very clear about no, that. No, she's just say like, sure. You know, and, and you'll agree to follow on, you know, to say like, no, Elizabeth Warren is not Hillary Clinton. Elizabeth Warren is not a hawk. She's wrong about Israel. She's disastrously off message uh, at minimum when it comes to the kind of axis of evil kind of uh, carry on that, you know, a lot of these mainstream Democrats have picked up, uh, including their discussion of Venezuela and else in Russia and elsewhere. Um, but to be fair, Bernie isn't great on that either. Bernie no. just has better advisors. 
Well, right? I have <laughs> I have trust in Bernie's advisors uh, far more so than what uh, anybody I, I would believe that Warren would appoint in that case. But. Well, sure, sure. So so yes, that's that's one thing that they have a. Um, the, the advisors are better, which is not an incidental point. You know, I mean, that's to a great extent what you're voting for when you vote for a president is you're voting for the people around them. Um, you know, there's there's always there's always a team, and whatever. You know, Bernie Sanders' team represents a certain ideological coalition, but like, um, it's a it's a coalition that ends on the left pretty damn far left, right? You know, that a like like the Bernie Sanders coalition ends with like, you know, I mean. You know, there are people like, well, God, you know, our uh, our our non-email checking friend Bhaskar is like <laughs> used as a proxy for the Bernie campaign. He does Bernie ads. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, uh, my, uh, you know, my friend uh, Christian, uh, Christian Bo, right, you know, his Larry website on Twitter you know, is, is, is like right up there and is like social media team now. Right. You know, they have like this, there's no, like, you know, Bernie is somebody who has, has welcomed people with really good politics into his coalition. And that's not a minor point, but it's also not, uh, it's also not just a matter of having better advisors, right? Bernie is, you know, clearly flawed in many ways, right? You know, elections are about comparative choices. You know, I can do the, you know, like, you know, I could I could do the ultra left thing here and rattle off all the things, you know, that I, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, like I don't like about Bernie in terms of his voting record or whatever. There are real criticisms to be made there, especially on foreign policy. But at the same time, if we're talking about what somebody's underlying political instincts were, right, where he comes from politically is like Sandinista solidarity work. Right. That's that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. his background. Exactly. Right. So I think it's fair to say that his natural instincts on foreign policy are in a completely different galaxy than the natural instincts on foreign policy of anybody in the Democratic Party mainstream, uh, certainly. And, you know, when you're saying that Elizabeth Warren's not a hawk, no, she's not. Right. And we, we absolutely should not pretend that she's Hillary Clinton. But, you know, like, look, that's not the only question. Right. The only question isn't. Uh, is this person going to, you know, initiate the next Iraq war, right? Because if that was your question, then you know who else I think you could pretty much, you know, trust not to initiate the next Iraq war? Barack Obama, right? You know, he was, you know, he, Barack Obama obviously did lots of terrible things in foreign policy, you know, as the greatly expanded the drone war, you know, uh, Libya, you know, as the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, um, but you know, he's somebody who's like a more cautious and he, he's shy about boots on the ground and mass. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought this is what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, you know, who wouldn't else who else wouldn't start a new Iraq war? Uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> because he's, he Which seems also to be true. more of a of a isolationist, you know, having fired yeah, yeah. John Bolton at this you know, point. Like, 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 um, like, like, I'm not singing any praises here, sure, but he does sure. seem to be a classic xenophobic right-wing isolationist yeah, when it or, comes to or, his foreign policy. Or at least that's certainly one of his personas. Yeah, like he's, yeah. He's, yeah, let's be honest. You know, he has many, many uh, personalities. He has many personalities. Whatever. Uh, so, you know, some of them are classic right-wing xenophobic isolationists. Um, and, uh, but like, look, like, you know, I think the difference is, you know, like, 
Obama, you know, was much more shy about boots on the ground, you know, than Bush had been, or probably even that Hillary Clinton would have been. Almost certainly that Hillary Clinton would have been, frankly, right? Because Hillary Clinton seems to have been one of the more hawkish voices in the Obama administration. Um, but, you know, even there, and in fact, if that sounds like I'm underselling like Elizabeth Warren's comparative dovishness, it shouldn't, because the standout foreign policy accomplishment of the Obama administration. You know, if if you basically like want there to be as little armed conflict as possible in the world was the Iran deal. And there's exactly one person who caucuses with the Democrats in the Senate who voted against the sanctions that uh, that undermine that deal before Trump backed out of it. Right. They have before Trump backed out of the deal. They did this combined package sanctions on Russia and Iran. And of course, all the all the Democrats, you know, lost their minds about Russia, so they all voted for for that. The only exception on the Democratic side was Bernie Sanders, right? So that means to review, Elizabeth Warren was willing to throw away Obama's made foreign policy accomplishment for the sake of scoring partisan points about Russia. So you know, it's it's not is she a hawk? Is she a neocon? None of these things, but there there is a there is a much more profound gap on foreign policy. Yeah, yeah, and we're not talking about domestic policy, but this is really emblematic of the issue between them, uh, the distinct, the real distinctions with differences in the realm of domestic policy as well. And that it's not so much about like what would happen uh, or what wouldn't happen, even like and just sort of, sort of uh, maintaining or, or sort of tweaking the status quo or tinkering at the margins, right? With so Liz Warren would. Let's say that she would, you know, uh, uh, scale back our military involvement in the world. We don't know that that's true. She doesn't have a recent record of, of saying that that's that's in any way inevitable. Let's say that she would have a humane foreign policy in a liberal sense, whatever the hell that means. Sure, being, sure. You know, being the world superpower and and having a global, you know, uh, uh, murderous empire. You know, that that uh, just wages savagery and ensures death and destruction across the planet. That you know. Let's that that's that's our that's our neutral starting point. Right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Let's say she just doesn't make that worse. Uh, you know what Bernie Sanders has on the table here is a complete reconsolidation of the global order as we know it. And he's talked about this. He gave you know he gave his foreign policy speech at American University. You know he has uh, the, he's he's appointed advisors who have written extensively about remaking the global order and allowing for things like self determination. Um, so this isn't just about like, hey, he's, uh, you know, Warren's not going to tighten the vice grip anymore, you know, on on uh, on the people who are already suffering and dying because of American imperialism. This is about under Bernie Sanders. We have the opportunity to reorder that global uh, uh, empire in, in a way that's more just and humane, like at its roots. And it's, it's that's really emblematic of every every other realm of the domestic you know, uh, a policy realm and political realm. Exactly. Elizabeth Warren might have been, I mean, I'm just going to keep going back to, to healthcare and, you know, might seem a little obsessive, but like, on the other hand, uh, I mean, I just can't help but think that like, this has got to be <laughs> the starting point of the discussion. Right. I mean, like, cause this is like literally like the UAW strike, you know, that the, uh, what, what's the first, like, power move the GM pulled to like try to like bring them to their knees was to was to take away their health care. This is, you know, this is the power of life and death that employers hold over us until we until we get national health care. 
Um, you know, like, and so if you can't get that right, you know, I mean, like I, I that, that's like the, um, God, you know, make sure air is flowing through your own, you know, mask, you know, before you help others. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like this, this gotta be the starting point. Right. You know, like we've got to have, you know, like, 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 if, like if we, if we can't even get the health insurance, uh, you know, this, this is a pretty, and this is also a pretty small ask in some ways. Right. You know, that like, like they've like literally what we're asking for, they've had in Canada for decades, you know, but like, um, but it, it tells you something, right. That like, you know, like Bernie Sanders uh, has talked about this issue incessantly since he went into politics, you know, like, like, like you can find tons of stuff in the seventies where, you know, where he's saying all the same stuff he's saying now. And he has, and, you know, and of course for him, there's absolutely no ambiguity. It's like, yeah, of course, of course it's obscene and absurd to have this power of life and death, you know, what, what they'll cover and what they want for medical procedures be in the hands of profit seeking corporations. Are you fucking kidding? Right. Whereas Elizabeth Warren, you know, she's been kind of dragged kicking and screaming and just saying she's for some form of Medicare for all. And, you know, she sends. Well, she co-signed the fucking bill. You know, like, let's be clear about this. This is the thing. It's like, you know, this is when the progressives, you know, sort of dig in here. And she co-signed the fucking bill. And now she's on the campaign trail backtracking, saying she's in favor of a framework. And there's a piece that went up. uh, I'm not sure if it was Jacobin or Common Dreams, but it was basically attacking this new rhetoric. She's on the campaign trail now saying that Medicare for all is just a framework and we can work with it. It doesn't really have any content, so it doesn't matter anyway. Again, this is this is so if you if you want to know where this distinctions without a difference comes from it comes from the fucking warren campaign yeah because she's the one out there saying well sure bernie has this idea about medicare for all and sure i have this one but really it's just a framework so at the end of the day these are all distinctions without a difference (laughs) where the fuck do you think that's coming from no i'm sorry ben i'm losing my shit here you know absolutely it's not a framework it's a bill that has an apps and it has a transition period it defines and explains exactly how it's going to work exactly how long it's going to work what what the policies and programs are going to look like It, it empowers certain agencies and, and certain governmental bodies to, to oversee the transition and then, and then to manage the programs. It's not a framework. No. Uh, Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks has a really good article that just came out like yesterday in The Hill um, talking about all of uh, all of Warren's equivocations and backtracking and, you know, caveats on this. Uh, and and look, it's, it's not, you know, Elizabeth Warren signed on to Bernie's Medicare for All bill. You know, for the same reason, frankly, that Kamala Harris signed on to it, um, which is and a few other people who are thinking about running for president signed on to it, which is that they'd seen the 2016 prime and they're they're like, whatever, this is the price of admission now. Right. You know, we have to you know, we have to raise our hands for this. But then, like, once the campaign really starts grinding along and you really have to either start defending it or backing away. You know, they've all started backing away that they have, you know, because Elizabeth Warren, bottom line, is much more comfortable thinking about incrementalist fixes to private health care than she is with the idea of a sweeping government takeover. I mean, like this, this is just, you know, like, like even in the Medicare for all thing on her website, it mostly talks about, you know, various incremental things. And the most charitable reading is that these are things that like. You know, she's saying she supports this like while we're waiting to pass Medicare for all or whatever. But I think it's very revealing that like 
you know, that's where she seems to get excited. That's what she seems to talk about because like, that's just a much more natural move for her thinking about how we could like, you know, at, at, you know, like Bernie Sanders is somebody, you know, and whatever, look, you know, this is not about Elizabeth Warren having been a Republican. I think it's fantastic. You know, like, you know, every, you know, every time a Republican, you know, um, sees the, you know, like, you know, like, like changes, you know, changes their politics and ceases to be a Republican and angel gets its wings, you know, like I'm all for that. Right. But, um, but like, as people who are in some, you know, broad sense progressives or whatever, uh, you know, to use that word, it's most watered down, all inclusive sense. Um, you know, Elizabeth Warren, you know, got her start as like kind of a, you know, academic consultant for technocratic regulators and Bernie Sanders got his start, you know, getting arrested by the Chicago police department. Right. You know, like this, these are just, you know, these are just different ways of seeing the world that like Bernie Sanders sees the world in terms of systems and structures and conflicts between different groups that have different interests where like to get what you want, you have to win and to win, you have to beat the other side. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren sees the world in terms of, you know, what she's going to say at that, you know, that beer summit on the white house lawn about like how, like she's figured out like a really good way that we can tweak it. Uh, I'd like to say that we've reached some kind of conclusion here, but I think, you know, we've, I mean, you know, I th- we've refined some arguments. We've refined some arguments. I think that people need to be a lot more careful when they when they uh, conflate Warren with other neoliberals. I know what they they think they're trying to say. So let's give them a better answer. Let's give them a better argument. No, absolutely. The way that I like to put this is like you know I, I had to qualify a statement that I made because my fear now is that Warren is having this mainstream success and she's going to be like Obama. And a friend of mine who will remain nameless, although he's been on the show several times, he's always a great sparring partner. Uh, He said, no, 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 no. Come on. What do you mean she's like Obama? She went to war with Obama over bankruptcy protections when Obama was in office, which is true. Warren's always been a champion for bankruptcy protections to her, you know, because she believes in markets, right? Bankrupt, uh, pro-bankruptcy people are always thinking that if you have bankruptcies, uh, you know, that's what Adam Smith really meant when he was talking about the free market. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but they're important. Hell, I'll take a bankruptcy protection any day over over uh, rampant, you know, uh, free market capitalism. So you know, Warren is not Obama, but I had to clarify what I meant because that's not what I meant. He forced me to be more precise. So what I meant, I Absolutely, think, was something yeah. more interesting, perhaps, is that when someone forces you to clarify your argument and be more precise, your argument actually becomes more interesting, doesn't it? And so what I said was, no, I think actually Warren has the capacity to remake the progressive coalition and then demobilize it in a similar way that Obama did. So she has the capacity to to capture this kind of budding radical constituency and then and then sort of uh, mobilize it, you know, un- behind her her candidacy and then and then rapidly demobilize it uh, throughout policy failure after policy failure. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, it's really, I think so. So yeah, I mean, what we've got to say to, to leftists who are trying hard to make this critique is that you've got up your game. You've got to like, um, you, you just can't like, you know, like, look, there's a certain sense, sure. In which from, from where we're sitting, 
you know, it is almost like the differences between, you know, these, these different, you know, candidates who, who aren't social Democrats or socialists, you know, kind of blur together or whatever. But like, if you're trying to talk to people who aren't on that page, you just can't, um, you know, you just can't say that like, you know, that, that, that Warren is Clinton or Obama or, or, or whatever, because, cause it's not true. And it's, and people, people know it's not true. Right. You've got to, you've got to be, you've got to be clear about the respects in which obviously she's different, but that doesn't mean you can't also talk about the respects in which they're the same. In fact, once you've been clear about how they're different, then you're, you know, then, so it's obvious you're not trying to sell people bullshit. Like, you know, like they're not, that they're exactly the same. That actually gives you room to explain the respects in which they're similar. And in, um, and when it comes to this, it's very, it's also very important because you've got to keep in mind that like one of the respects in which they are similar, right? One of the respects, because like, keep in mind, uh, yeah, sure. They're, they're 2016 birdie people, you know, way more of them than I would have liked who've been pulled into uh, Warren. But you know what else? There are also a lot of people who supported Clinton in 2016 who support Warren in 2020. And that's not just cynical. It's a lot of it's cynical on top, but like on the gra- on the grassroots, some of that's because some of those people have genuinely politically improved since 2016. Thanks to Bernie Sanders, right? You know, for shifting the debate, but like whatever, they've gotten better politically, but they still think the way they did in 2016, which means you know, like remember 2016, they were constantly talking about how uh, Hillary Clinton is the most qualified candidate ever, right? Like how how could people not be voting for her? Don't they know how qualified she is? And above and beyond the fact that it wasn't even true on its own terms, you know, whatever, that's not even worth digging into. But like even above and beyond that, the problem is that what that revealed is that they they see they see elections as technocratic job interviews, Right. You know, that it's like it's about how good your CV is. Um, And so they still kind of see it that way, which means that when we try to advance this critique about how Elizabeth Warren, there's this very real danger. She could, as you say, inherit it, then demobilize uh, this progressive coalition. Uh, They think that you're saying, oh, you're saying that, like, she's not a fighter. She wouldn't try hard enough or something like that. It has nothing to do with it's not a personality critique. It's a structural critique. Sure, she's tenacious. She's, you know, this, that, and the other thing. That's not the point. She's mad as heck, and she's not afraid to show it. I'm sorry. That's my Warren impression. It's not bad, right? It's actually pretty good. I, mean, I grew right? up around, like, these, like, every, every like, school teacher you ever had who, like, <laughs> you know, thought she was a little rough around the edges. Because, gosh, darn it, I don't like it when people roughhouse in my classroom. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> not bad right no, i mean really i'm no good. michael brooks <laughs> no no you know that was, that was good, in the though. impersonation department that was good but, that was all right. uh, but yeah no that's that's exactly <laughs> it right so you think you're denying that about her right and of course no whatever sure you know uh like you know she's she's tough she's tenacious she's not gonna accept you know any horseplay in this classroom you know all fine but that's not what we're saying right what we're saying is that Elizabeth Warren's idea of an all-out push to get something done is an all-out push within the corridors of power. Bernie Sanders' idea of an all-out push to get something done is trying to mobilize a mass movement at the bottom of society. And those are just fundamentally different. Wow. 
That's a mic drop. Very well said. Very well encapsulated. I mean, there have been many articles uh, that have argued that. We've sort of said as much, but the way you just captured it there, I haven't heard anybody quite put it that succinctly yet. So if, if you guys aren't, uh, you know, if you're not, if somehow by now as a patron towards the end of the B-side, if you're not con- uh, convinced, just rewind and listen to that. Uh, once more, because that really does get to the central difference there. The fact that these are distinctions without difference. I mean, it, it, I think that's what we, we need to really go here for now. And I, hell, I'm going to write this because I've just said it. Uh, I think, you know, that this is a fabrication of the Elizabeth Warren campaign. And and this is this is this is why it's so difficult to, to go up against it as a democratic socialist. But we have to keep our heads. We have to trust in some way that our structural critique that we have that Bernie Sanders has. Uh, could somehow uh, give us some insight that uh, that the other side doesn't have. And should the progressives win out, they're going to need us. And at some point, we're going to need them. Yeah, um, I mean, which yeah. which is which is exactly why, like you know, I mean, obviously we've been trying to make the the toughest case we can, also the smartest case we can, right? It's very easy, you know. If you if you just want to like stand there and like wave a red flag and like yell at people, that's that's easy, right? You don't you don't need to you know like you don't need to like think about anything to do that, right? But like this is this is also an important distinction, right? That we we don't want to like sometimes people on our side uh, get too obsessed with like owning the libs, right? Uh, and we don't want to own the libs. We want to radicalize the libs, right? You know that's that's like there's no way like. There's no way that we can win the nomination and then the presidency for Bernie Sanders, never mind win the world for socialism, without winning over millions of people who are at best Elizabeth Warren supporters right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right on. And I know, I mean, people uh, – God, I've heard – I know a lot of people to get a lot of shit for that and, and arguing as much. Good hardcore socialists – um, but, uh, we have to have that, that, that dual sided aim in place. Um, we can't just eradicate the non-believers, you know, even if we could, would we want to, uh, wouldn't be a lot of us left, would there? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, and friend, and frankly, you know, if I was going to spend the rest of my life around just one subgroup of the population, <laughs> I say this with love, I wasn't going to say it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> To my friends and comrades on the left, but I'm not sure it's going to be you guys. <laughs> I love you guys, but hell to the no. That's a big hell no from from the dead pundit over here. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll end on that note. We just insulted the entirety of our audience. <laughs> All right, everybody, we got to go. <laughs> no, but we got we to gotta leave it there. We, we gave everybody a lot of really great arguments. Uh, if people haven't read your book by now, uh, you, they re- they really need to check it out. It's from Zero Books, Logic for the Left, or give them an argument. Uh, logic. What is what's the full subtitle? Uh, give them an argument. Logic for the Left. Logic for the Left. Everybody, go out there and learn how to how to make real good, solid arguments that hold up. Uh, keep the faith. Take heart. We are four months out from the first set of primaries, which, by the way, uh, still don't tell us very much. Go back to two thousand eight and find out. Uh, how 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 deep in the hole Obama was even after the primary season kicked off uh, to to discover that that there's still hope here. So um, yeah, everybody take heart. Uh, it's going to be a long game. Win, lose, or draw. Democratic socialism gets the goods. It has the best analysis. It gives people a structural understanding of of the 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 sort of deepest causative structures 
I'm using structure a lot, Ben, aren't I? It's a structural structure of a structure, really, is what it is, uh, in my expert opinion. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like I'm, I'm starting to sound like I do when I open up the hood of a car and try to sound like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, like that there, uh, it's a rotator splint. Uh, you're going to want to check your windshield fluid. Oh, that's the oil. Yeah, you're going to want to check your oil, like I said. Uh, it's structures on structures, Ben. Fair it's political economy, stupid. We got to pay attention to this stuff. And the, and, and the Marxist social, uh, I was going to say democratic socialist critique there gets the goods. So uh, everybody be patient. Be nice to one another online. Life is too short to be an asshole and be miserable on Twitter. So uh, keep the faith. Are you are you ringing up? Are you ringing people for Bernie yet? I still, I, I still need to sign up to do it, man. I'm so busy making the no, podcast. No, I, 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 I need yet. to do that. I'll say in my defense that I uh, – I, I did set up a um, a training. A, <laughs> I did set up a twenty seven buck a month, uh, oh. you know, uh, regular donation, like yeah. literally the day he announced. Uh, yeah. And I and it's like important. for what it's worth, like I kept that up, like uh, you know, people who've like followed me or whatever, and like you know, will know that like uh, before this job started over the summer, there was a while when you know. When like I was I was like on the verge of like you know putting out the Patreon begging cup you know so I could like you know buy some beer yeah. and coffee you know that's <laughs> uh, so like you know kept that up for what that's worth but no I absolutely need to um, to hook up with the local campaign and 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 start you know ringing some you know ringing some uh, some numbers you know knocking on some doors you know because because this is this is it I mean this is this is the uh, like. This is a once in a generation opportunity and and this this would be like I, I feel like I feel like this is getting a little bit better. I feel like people are starting to realize this, but there was a point over this summer we talked about this when like I was really disturbed by, you know, and I I'm I'm not gonna start, you know, <laughs> said enough nasty things about our friends on, you know, the left, but they have a so I'm not going to start like name checking podcasts and stuff, but like I have a, uh, but like I've got to say, come on, we're deep, we're deep in the B side. You, know, you got to do it, name names, know, just do it. Come on, I've got to say, like you know, when when I saw like you know, like you know, Chapo doing the, uh, you know, do like interviews like with Marianne Williamson and like talking like yeah, I- ironically right. like donating to get her on the stage or whatever. When I saw, I mean, this one's passed, at least he's dropped out. But when I saw, like, all the left magazines would, like, give a little article, it's like, oh, you know, Mike Gravel's nice, you know, this, that, and the other thing. It was just like, oh, my God, guys, this is a generational opportunity to promote socialist politics in the United States. What are you doing? You cannot fuck around with this election. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, I, look, I, I walk the walk. Uh, everybody, check check the catalog from the past three months. People are going to be sick and fucking tired of hearing about this Bernie Sanders guy. Um, and and it, and, the, and everyone, I'm not even hardly finished. We've got a couple uh, episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to keep the party going. Uh, but it's it is that important, um, and uh, people should do whatever they can. And besides, you know. Calling strangers to talk about politics, you're going to learn a lot too. Yeah, I mean, no, no question. No. You're going to get out. Of, you're going to get out of your. Uh, if you are in a bubble, which we are in something of a bubble, sure. Given that you listen to this podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're somewhat fluent in what we're saying, you understand. You get the jokes. Right, right? Right, right. Uh, we're all in a bubble, and we could all all, all get. No, out we can. We, we can absolutely way. stand to get out of the bubble, and and honestly, like this is not you know like I've got to say like if you don't get this yet like just really try hard 
like think about this the f- electing bernie sanders president with the agenda that he's running on with everything it would mean to the culture to have somebody who describes himself as a socialist be president of the United States with his commitment to using the presidential bully pulpit to like organize the grassroots. If you don't see how reading those numbers on the Bernie, you know, automatic call thing is going to do more to advance your politics than like whatever kind of local activist thing that you've got going on, admirable though I'm sure it is. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't know what to tell you. I mean I I don't think that you know, like, you know, there's no there's nothing that we could accomplish in like a hundred years of lobbying the city council to like give you know uh, municipal employees more earned sick days and you know and 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 doing you know break light clinics and you know all that stuff right. The a hundred years of stuff like that is not going to have the kind of impact in changing the train of struggles electing Bernie Sanders president, and it could really happen. Absolutely, absolutely. That was a passionate plea. I'm sold. I hope everybody else is sold. Uh, let's keep this thing going. We're four months out. Uh, you know, it's the, the all the, last week's uh, seeming seeming sea change aside. Uh, you know, uh, nothing is set in stone in primary season. So let's keep this thing going. Ben Burgess, everybody go out and buy his book. It's pretty damn good. Uh, just turn on your uh, smartphone and, and, and click anywhere on Facebook or Twitter. You're bound to find him. Uh, he's a busy guy. <laughs> Thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to join us for the A and the B side. Thanks so much.